We need to address loneliness. It is literally killing us. But more and more, the research is telling us that there are real health consequences of loneliness. Results in a 29% increased risk of heart diseases. That's equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes every day. The problem is that more and more people are lonely today. In fact, it's almost one in three. We must connect to people. We must engage with people. Time and time and time and time again, it's community that saves us. My name is Rachel Abel, and this is The Missing Piece. I'm a leadership specialist and community builder at UNSW, and I'm also known as Head of Making Friends. The most important thing to me here at the uni is to make sure our 60,000 students feel connected, that they belong, they matter. In our now hyper-connected world, we're facing a loneliness epidemic which is taking a serious toll on our health and our well-being, and could be the next economic and public health crisis. Working at a university, I've come across so much research that points to community as the missing piece to helping solve this very real issue. But building community is really hard. So I thought I'd go out into the real world and interview the likely and the not so likely experts about how they build their communities. I'd like to share with you what we've learned and what the science says about how to build open and sustainable communities that boost connection and reduce loneliness. Why? We believe community really is the key to future-proofing education and also your business, our public services and personal relationships. Because belonging is better. For better or worse, the evolution of technology is changing the way we think about community. While we know that opportunities to connect online don't always produce healthy or positive communities, we wanted to chat to someone whose online community does improve the lives of its members, but is also making lives better all around the world. In 2007, Hank Green and his brother John Green made a YouTube channel to help them stay better connected to each other. They decided to stop all text-based communication and instead chat and share ideas purely through these YouTube videos. Over a decade later, that channel has more than 3 million subscribers and their videos have been watched more than 780 million times. But what's most interesting to me is the online community that has formed around the brothers. This community self-describe as the nerd fighters and their goal is to decrease world suck. Their social activism and charitable initiatives drive their worldwide projects and strengthen community by doing good. So I sat down with Hank Green to learn how this community grew and what we can all learn from this truly awesome and engaged online community. So welcome, Hank Green. I'm just amazingly excited to be talking to you this morning, um, your evening. Thank you so much for donating a bit of your time to talk about communities with us. Um, Hank Green, for anybody... Now, I have been living under a bit of a rock, I will admit. Um, (laughs) Not all the rocks, um, but I didn't know so much about you and your work. Um, So I've had a fantastic time delving into some of the research about what you do. Um, But you are a vlogger, musician, a father, an author, a content creator. I'm reading the list here I have to have it written down <laughs> so much um, entrepreneur um, it, you have an amazing business now I think that you've grown and um, 
huge amounts of community built around all the different activities you do. So I'd love to ask you some questions about that. So welcome to the Missing Peace podcast. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. It's, it's wonderful to chat about the, this topic, which I think you are right, is really important and something that uh, is maybe missed as like one of the biggest deals that we're dealing with right now. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And to kick you off kind of talking about that, just I guess up front, I should ask you, do you think that people can find community online? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think that, you know, what we can sometimes mistake some of the communications we're having online as community where we like create surrogates for community. So, you know, liking someone's Facebook post really isn't the same thing as telling them that you are happy for them or that you, uh, you know, are, you know, are interested in the thing that they're doing. Um, it, and, and I think that we can sometimes feel that we're having that, that little bit of community when we're not, but there are legitimate ways to have community on the internet, uh, of course. And there are, you know, I, from the very early times of the internet had really close friends who were my internet friends. But at the same time, I think that it is also easier to sort of let those people fade out of your life and uh, it, th- than it is with somebody who you're like sharing physical space with. And I do think it's really important to, when we can, uh, connect with people in, in physical spaces and connect in physical ways and be in the same in the same place. Because like I, I think that there is a you know a human thing there that. Uh, is hard to replicate, not impossible to replicate, but certainly harder than if you're actually in the same space with someone. As Hank has said, liking a post is not as genuine as hugging a friend in congratulations. But does this mean that all bonds between members of online communities are weak? While traditionally community was based on where you physically lived or worked, now we can connect with anyone anywhere. For example, universities that used to only be accessible in person now have some students that attend purely online. In their study of online communities, sociologists Wellman and Gulia found that strong ties online had many similarities to strong ties offline. Both forms of relationships encourage frequent contact and they provide mutual support to each other's needs. Many critics have voiced concerns that the intimacy of online communities is an illusion, and they suggest that digital communication in general creates a sense of intimacy without the emotional investment. However, the data tells us that while online relationships might take more time to develop the same depth, online interactions can be just as sociable. When evaluating the strength of communities, Wellman and Gulia remind us that it's the strength of connection not the means of communication that's important. I guess kind of thinking about that on the flip side as well, are there things that you can get from an online community that maybe you think you can't get from that physical face-to-face connection? Um, I think that there's definitely, so so kind of, like you you can find people who you can't find in the real world on the internet sometimes. Like I went to a, high school that had 3000 students. So I didn't have that hard of a time finding my people. Like there were six of us uh, out of 3000, but still that's pretty good uh, to have six people. Um, but if I was at a school of a hundred people, then there would have been, you know, on average zero. 
So to find people who you know have your same interests or problems or values in spaces where you might not have them, the internet is good at that. It's good for bringing people together who share a rare disease. Like I have a fairly rare disease and like not a lot of people in my life have ulcerative colitis. So I can connect with those kinds of people on the internet. Um, and I think that there are many other things like that that have also sort of like brought us a little bit out of our shell and let us realize how many people there are who have different life experiences. Um, because otherwise, you know, if you're, uh, if you're only connecting with the people who are nearby you, you just don't, you don't see it. Um, so it's, it's very good to have opportunities to connect with people who, uh, who share things that you would otherwise feel isolated inside of. I love that you started off with six people and now you literally <laughs> have millions and millions, which is, you know, in terms of you finding your people, that's, that's amazing. Sure. Yeah. So is it hard to maintain those connections online? All, like everything is work, you know, like those, sometimes those first moments of a friendship can seem just like this effort, effortless beauty, but like all relationships will at some point be work and, and if you don't do the work, then you won't have them. But the reason you do the work is because they're so valuable and good. Um, and so I try to continue doing the work, even if it's just like a couple emails a year that are more than just a Facebook like, or um, you know, a couple phone calls a year where we actually, or you know, chances to get into the same space for a wedding or a divorce or a birthday or a baby or whatever it is to celebrate life together. So um, what you said actually really beautifully segues into um, what I wanted to talk about, which was the Brotherhood 2.0 project. Because from what I understand, it all started because you and your brother, John, decided to stop all text-based communication for a year and spoke only through daily video blogs. Um, so you would just update each other on your lives or simply talk about interesting topics you'd come across. Mm -hmm. Was it to kind of build that connection with your brother at the time that you started kind of getting involved with that? Was that to kind of, was that to deepen the connection yeah. the relationship a bit? Yeah, it was definitely, that was the, that was one of our stated goals for sure. And, and I think that uh, it became, it was, it turned out to be more important than we thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that authenticity in your relationship, like obviously that comes across, I think, do, do you think that's what people connected with initially with you too so although you know you wanted to do something yeah. on YouTube and you wanted to kind of see how you did with that but the the authenticity in how you were communicating with each other is that what really drew people to you do you think yeah I mean that was a lot of the early and it's even now uh online video like the the feel feel of it is is like it invites you into the relationship and it sort of and like you know, I've always said that the most important words of every, you know, like all 12, 13 years of this content that we've been making of any video are good morning, John, or good morning, Hank, because it like, it creates the consistency of the project. It says like this video is not just about, you know, wage theft or about like a funny bird that I found out about. It's part of a larger project. And um, and also it puts me in the right mindset where I'm thinking like, this is a conversation that I'm having with somebody who is an important part of my life. And, and like, there are many members of this audience, but still the most important one is John. 
that's beautiful. I love that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've talked a little bit about nerd fighters. Can you, first of all, explain a little bit about what a nerd fighter is? Could I be a nerd fighter, for example? Um, What are the, you know, because I understand there are some maybe not so secret rituals, but there's, you know, some symbols, there's some kind of yeah. the handshakes, that yeah. kind of thing. What, what is the thing about nerd fighters? What is it? Um, well, so like the, 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 the slogan has always sort of been like, if you want to be a nerd fighter, you probably are because like, that's a terrible name and it's very, <laughs> sounds bad. It sounds very nerdy. And so like, if you want that label applied to you, then I've got some news. And then like, yes, ritual, like there are, we have sort of some community event. Um, you know, we have a hand sign, which is like the Spock gesture, but like flipped and then you do it in both hands and cross your arms. And uh, we've got the pizza john. I don't think I'm wearing a pizza john shirt right now, but I honestly usually am because we have so many of them now, which is just my brother's face with a mustache and it says pizza under it. And I can't explain it, but it's a symbol and it's very clear. Uh, no one mistakes it for something else. My son is barely three years old and every time I wear a Pizza John shirt, he's like, Pizza John, no matter what uh, weird incarnation it is in. Uh, so those are, those are some things. We also have a big honkin' survey that we send out every year, the census, the Nerdfighteria census, where we ask people to like spend sort of a ludicrous amount of time letting us know how they're doing and who they are and you know how they consume our content and view the world and what are they worried about and stuff uh we have pizza miss which is a, our pizza john focused holiday where we go back to brotherhood 2.0 style videos and we make videos every day instead of twice a week um and that is hard and it's coming up so i'm not ready so in the case of Hank and the Nerd Fighters, why is it that spockish hand signs and a catchphrase like don't forget to be awesome give people a sense of community? Macmillan and Chavis tell us that common symbols have an important role to play in creating and maintaining a sense of community as they represent the social bond between group members. Common symbols can be something as simple as a logo or a flag, but it can also be words, ideas or signs that have a unique meaning to members of a particular community. The nerd fighter motto, don't forget to be awesome, reflects the common goal of the community, to decrease world suck. This is a great example of how rituals reinforce core values and remind community members of their shared vision. In the case study of Apple, researchers from the University of Edinburgh and the University of Ljubljana looked at the role of rituals in creating Apple's strong brand community and subsequent consumer fanaticism. In the context of brand communities, Munitzen and Gwyn describe rituals and traditions as social processes that perpetuate the community's shared history, culture and consciousness, through which the meaning of the community is reproduced and rearticulated. So essentially, the role of ritual helps to bond, structure, and create ongoing cohesiveness in our communities. That's something that I like. I, that I like want to say before this podcast ends is that like we need to give each other chances to like to need each other and to be needed by other people. Like I need to need people, and I need to let them know, and I also need to let myself be necessary for other people's lives. 
And when people are like, you know, need me, that that is an opportunity to like do something I will enjoy helping that person. And not, a, not like a burden that I'm constantly being placed under. Because if we imagine every, every single person's need as a burden, then it's all over. It's all over. I love the fact that community is something that you're actively wanting to build in that way. And that you see yourself as somebody that you, you want and that's okay for other people to need you and for you to need other people and to recognize that connection. In terms of the online community space, I'm guessing that there's a lot of people who do need you. Like, you know, and talking about, we were talking about potentially not showing up if you didn't think it was having any impact. But obviously, even just you showing up regularly for other people, do you think that signals to them that you're there for them and that, you know, you're needed and, and you need them too? Yeah. Yeah, I think that like we've been really like serious about our schedule and this has nothing to do with like what YouTube wants. Like everybody's like, oh, you're so consistent because the algorithm likes consistency. And I'm like, I haven't thought about the algorithm on Vlogbrothers since 2008, my friend. I, I make content for human beings, not for computer programs. Um, and, and it turns out that the computer programs respond well to that sometimes. Um, and as long as you have a base level of success already, which is really <laughs> nice to have. Yep. Um, the, yeah, so I, I, and, and I feel like if I'm, if I miss a day, yes, I'm going to get punished. And that's another sort of like sacrifice thing that we do where if we miss a day for some reason or another, which I did fairly recently. Oh no, it wasn't a, that I missed a day. I uploaded a video that was too long which is our other rule that we can't break. Um, we, if we miss a day, then like, we have to do some, something disgusting or terrible to ourselves. Um, and that's, a, that's another sort of sign of that sacrifice and, and like a show of like, I'm, I know that I let you down. And, but like, but the other thing is just that like, we never miss days. Like we just do it. And, uh, and I have to like, you know, I don't, I, I've never gotten to that place that I think a lot of creators have where it's just like that feeling of being needed is such a, is such a, is a, is a burden or it's overwhelming. And I can't like, I can't get out from under of the feeling that like, I'm going to let you down or that, or that I just can't have this much pressure on me. And I don't know if that's because of like my just like genetics or if it's my like being older or if it's just that um, like, I've found a really good way to balance a lot of different activities in my life. Uh, but I, but I haven't had that happen. And, uh, and that has allowed me to continue to fulfill that expectation week after week for a lot of years. I think that discomfort is an important part of community. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's, it's a kind of, it's, I think showing sacrifice, you know, and, and this, this goes back all the way back, you know, there's never been, there's never been, uh, you know, the binding stories without sacrifice. And uh, so hopefully that's little though. And so like stay up really late and you like, you're like miserable at work the next day because you were, you were sort of marathoning the project for awesome. Like that's a, a sort of a signal of the, you know, of dedication and of, of solidarity. 
Okay, so Hank's on to something here with this idea of needing to be needed. Human beings are social animals and we've evolved to cooperate, to depend on and to be depended upon. Evolutionary psychologists suggest that needing to feel necessary is actually what encourages us to make sure we're playing a useful role in our social groups. Hank showing up regularly and timely in online videos really does help encourage the community. So, does community require sacrifice? Professor of Social Work Dr Manawa Pawar argues that community development calls for an element of sacrifice to ensure that the needs of the community are met. Pawar says that in order for communities to succeed, people should continually be looking at what they themselves will give to the community. Sacrifice can, of course, come in many forms. It could be money, labour, time, or in Hank's case, much-needed sleep. But as we've discussed, sometimes building community requires us to give something up. People often sacrifice their self-interest for a group to which they belong, says professor of psychology and decision-making expert Jonathan Barron. Individuals who belong to groups have two options, to prioritise their own interests or to prioritise the interests of the group. However, psychological studies have shown that when all group members cooperate together, then the total benefit of cooperation outweighs any individual losses. So, working together really is our best bet. One of your main uh, mottos that comes along with your community, the Nerdfighter community, about not forgetting to be awesome um, and decreasing world suck, then is that something that you, when you're looking at, you know, starting a new business, I'm thinking when you're looking at Project for Awesome, that's something that's clearly aiming to decrease world suck. Um, So it's not just making money just for the sake of making money, it's making money to help other people. So is that kind of something that you, it's not just a little motto that's, something that grew up you actually live your life by that motto it's not it's like a really positive thing to have in my life to like uh be aware that uh you know that like the impact that i have on the world really really matters and it doesn't just like it matters like in a selfish way like i i should be good and it's like it's like this thing that like is constantly keeping me like eating healthy basically not like actually i don't eat actually healthy but did you create the motto and then people flocked to the community or was the community kind of growing and then those kind of sayings grew out of yeah. the community that yeah. was there? Yeah, the community was growing and uh, and it was small enough that like a lot of people knew each other, like people recognized each other's screen names and like even now a lot of those people are still friends and, you know, deeply connected with each other. And the... And and then like, I don't know, we'd make a joke and then we'd think it was a little joke and then they would run with it and it would become something much bigger. And, you know, Don't Forget to Be Awesome for me was like a really kind of a big deal personally. Like I was like, this is a good one because, you know, one of the things that, uh, and like, it, you know, now I'm 39 and it feels like if I heard it now, I'd probably think it was hokey. But um, at the, you know, it just, the thing it says is like, you know, we're not like born good, it's work. You know, we have to always be thinking about this. You know, the 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 great thing about having John um, as a, a collaborator is that he's much more of a stick in the mud. And, you know, when I say like, I have this great idea, he's like, how's that gonna make the world better? And I'm like, it's gonna make money. <laughs> uh, isn't that enough for you? And, 
it's not. Uh, so, and then I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. I should probably think about that. Like, just because a business is like a viable business doesn't mean that it's worth our time. Um, and uh, yeah, so like that has been really great. It also in like creating fuel for me to continue doing things because I think that if it was just about money, I probably would have burned out on a lot of stuff sooner. Whereas if it's about like making lives better for teachers, that just feels really good every day. I was really interested in that aspect of the community that you've grown because there is, it's a very um, supportive kind of, it, it appears from the outside looking in. I'm just, you know, full disclosure, I haven't identified myself mm -hmm. as a nerd fighter as yet. That might happen by the end of the podcast, I'm not sure. Um, but sort of from the outside looking in, it looks like it's a really supportive mm -hmm. community. But then, you know, you, you and, and in what you've described, it's kind of saying, yeah, we're all working towards being better and trying to create a better world, which is amazing. But mm. within that too, then forgiving each other if people aren't exactly awesome every minute of the day. And how do you kind right. of reconcile that with kind of the responsibility that you have now, I guess? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, I think I can't deny that, like, we are community leaders. Um, and, and, you know, I, like, it's, it's responsibility, I guess, but like, but also, like, I, I recognize that this isn't something that I control absolutely. And that when we're trying to figure out like what exactly these words mean no one gets to decide a hundred percent and um but but you know that there is a, a sense of you know inclusivity there's been a lot and, and like this isn't stuff that i tend to have to do when something when someone is acting in a way that is exclusionary like it self-polices. Um, people are like, 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 yeah, so what? They haven't seen like videos from 2008. Like, yeah, that, like there's no reason to mock someone because they haven't watched like 400 hours of YouTube videos. One of the things that the internet has done for better or for worse is it creates a lot of different like sort of sliced up pieces. And like we were talking earlier about like, I can find my little community of people who are struggling with the same illness as me there are so many different ways that we communicate um, just little little signals about our upbringing, our values, our worldviews that like people don't even notice. And so e like even without saying things out loud, you t tend to build a, like it's, it's the internet, things are gonna sort of self-segregate. This isn't ideal, I think, in a lot of ways. I think it's led to a lot of problems. But you end up with people who have a lot of the same values, um, and then the people like, and it, and it, you don't have to you don't have to say it out loud. Like it's wild. The first time we pulled our audience, uh, like we just like asked a bunch of questions to our audience. Like ninety nine percent of these people voted for Barack Obama. Like it's it, we didn't ask for that. We didn't make political videos. We just like the the ways that we communicate are going to be appealing to those people. And I think that that's so important to recognize that there's all these like tiny little ways that we communicate our values that are completely invisible to us, but we find comfort in them. And so we go to the places where we hear these very similar, like these sort of comfortable mannerisms or expressions or just like body language, face language, clothing, you know, all the books on the bookshelf behind me, like all these tiny things that like, I don't mean to be communicating stuff. They are. And that's part of the success of the community. And it's also part of the failure of it in that like, it's hard to bring people in from outside. 
I think that's so interesting as well what you're saying about the fact that actually because people are very similar that could be one of the downsides of the community because you're not necessarily having the debate within the community about those things and growing understanding I guess Um, and you know like you say that that's got its advantages and its disadvantages um it's really interesting for me I think when people are thrown together in a group like they are at university for example there's huge numbers of people are thrown together and they're from you know they've all got their own narratives and their own kind of frame of reference and how you create communities in those kind of settings I think is really interesting um but with you and your community, so you've got a lot of very like-minded people. I'm wondering whether that's helped for you to kind of push forward projects like Project for Awesome, which is awesome, I think, in its absolute essence. Project for Awesome was like the first, the first like project we did. The first thing that we launched that was sort of, we wanted to be external to our community. The first one was in 2007. And it was a time when um, everybody kind of knew how to hack the YouTube algorithm because it was basically, uh, it was it was like, there was it was a very dumb algorithm. It was basically had one input. Um, and, uh, and we were like, let's get the whole YouTube community together and we'll hack the YouTube algorithm together, which if we did that for selfish reasons, YouTube would be mad at us, but let's do it for charity. And then they can't be mad at us. Um, and it was great because it, it had two effects. One, we raised money and we like raised awareness for a lot of organizations. And two, YouTube noticed how bad their algorithm was and they started to fix things. They were like, wow, they really can just take over anytime they want, huh? Uh, so, so that was sort of the, uh, where, where the first project for Awesome came from. And then, you know, it, we, did, we didn't like um, actively raise money for the first couple of years, we mostly were just about advocacy and then like go donate to these organizations, but we didn't like track any, any donations. Um, and then like time, time went on and, you know, the audiences got much bigger and there was like sort of enough there to, and, and then like we also had people sort of coming out of the woodwork because I don't know if you've heard, but there are a lot of rich people. There aren't tons. It's not like, it's not like most people. But there's, there's so much there, you hear about the 1%, but like 1% of 300 million is a lot of people. Um, and so we started to get people who wanted to give larger amounts of money um, to sort of like uh, match donations during the Project for Awesome or help us work with a particular organization so that we could, you know, sort of come together to do an actual like, project like the organization would then instead of just like taking the money and being like thank you like there would be something that was like they've been wanting to do this thing and we're going to make it possible for them to do the thing um and then that that's you know where it uh you know has sort of turned into the thing now where it raises like literal millions of dollars which is wild um and how much the other because you have literally i know you glossed over that but this you know it's it's huge the impact you've had because how many millions of dollars have you raised now through uh, I think it's like over 8 million now Which is fantastic. over all of them. It might be more than that. <laughs> I, should, I should know that number. It's a lot. Um, Do you think that community plays a key role in the success of Project for Awesome? Oh yeah. No, I don't think that there would be that like there is any Project for Awesome without community. And I also think that that, that like Project for Awesome is part of what builds the community it's like one of the things that create like really feels 
like over the years, it's been consistent. It's been every year um, that we've had this thing that we do together. And, and like, it is a really vital part of the community. It builds the community, but it only, it, and it can only exist because of the community. And every year, I think that that makes it bigger and people are all excited about it, waiting for it to come because it's sort of our biggest celebration of the year. I, but I also just like, like, I just like being a part of, like feeling like I'm part of a community and, and that's the only way I know how to do it. That kind of mass uh, movement, when you're really standing up and, and showing what you believe for something, you know, like the protests around climate change we've got at the moment. Do you think that we need more online communities trying to reduce world suck? Um, yes. I think that we, I think that we all need to feel more like we're a part of something rather than individuals. Um, and I think that that like part of this is human nature. Part of it is Western culture that like, we really want to have, like we, we want so badly <laughs> to be like, not, like not quite exactly like everyone else and to, and to like find every individual little way that we're different and be like, yes, that, but not quite. And that prevents us from having a lot of solidarity in those moments. And, you know, and we, we during the Project for Awesome, we have like 48 plus straight hours to have these conversations. And I, I don't know, because, because I think ultimately, like the things that work the best are when everybody is sort of coming together to pitch the same message, to feel the same way around something. And that's fairly easy to do during the Project for Awesome when like, you know, we're helping everything from local humane shelters to, to like, you know, partners in health's work in Sierra Leone, that, that like, it's hard to argue against that stuff. So this brings us to our final topic. And I wanted to ask you about VidCon because it's such an interesting event. And for everybody listening, I just want to brag about you for a moment because you haven't taken the opportunity to do so for yourself. So VidCon is the big YouTuber convention that Hank created back in 2010. And really what started out relatively small has um, and successful has actually grown to have about 50,000 attendees annually around the world, including here in Australia, which is crazy because I think a lot of people assume that with an online business or an online presence, everything you do is very kind of connected online. And I was amazed at where you'd gone with VidCon and yeah. that you stated the main goal with VidCon was to get people together in the real world. So you specifically yeah. kind of said, this is, so the online community isn't yeah. the real world and this is the real world and we want to meet in the real world. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, I there's a lot of pushback against this idea of like IRL, which is the, the old school way of talking about like online versus like IRL in the real world. And, uh, and, as if like, but this is the real world. Like the internet is the real world too. But like, I do think there's a difference. And, and you know, I don't like push this narrative too hard because I know that there are some people who are so happy and thankful to be able to have community who otherwise really couldn't because they have like crippling, uh, you know, anxiety disorders or some other, you know, or, or physical problems that make it difficult for them to go places and like like all those things are are real and of course like that doesn't I don't want to belittle those people's experience 
Um, but I like I I do think it's different, and I do think that like you know being together in a physical space, there's something special about it, and and it just like it increases. I think it increases the bandwidth of information transferal so much. Like just being able to see every little movement of someone's face, just being able to like you know reach out and like you know punch them in the shoulder when they say something dumb or um and and also like being in a giant room full of people who are all loving something together like you never really feel that way until you're in a giant room full of people who are all loving something together so yeah i want i i absolutely wanted that and i also wanted that for creators because i think that when you're making videos it can be really isolating it's a pretty introverted job that we have we sit around editing videos that we shot alone by ourselves and uh and you see the numbers but like they're not real and but then they become very real when you're you know when they're all yelling at you um and 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 holding up their iphone lights and waving them around as you sing about anglerfish uh and and i like i had that experience a little bit in the first year when we did a little library tour me and john and then i was like you know we should let people but like give other people an opportunity to have that feeling and also not let some jerk come in and do it badly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, cause with book tours and with VidCon and those kind of things, you, you would have built, you know, you've got a fan base. So people waving their phones in the air, that kind of thing, you know, that's gonna, you know, and you said earlier about people are listening to you, you have this kind of impact on people. You don't see yourself, you, you recognize that you're a leader, but you know, it does, it, comes along with it does really change things. And, and, you know, sometimes like, so we, there are a lot of different kinds of online video creators and VidCon does not like to have too many opinions about them. There are obviously lines, but like, we like to have the lines be pretty clear and, um, and uh, very defensible. Um, so sometimes we will have a creator at VidCon who will maybe not have the best worldview or won't maybe have the most respect for their audience. This is a big thing for me. Like I get pissed off when I see creators who don't have a lot of respect for their audience. And, but what I find is that a lot of those people have never actually been in the same space as their audience. They don't even see them as real people. And so if you can get them in the front of a signing line and like have them have a like, like 200 conversations over the course of four hours, they come away from that different. They come away from that thinking about the, and then they look at it and they say, oh my God, like these, these, these kids are kids. Like they're, they're like teen, they're like 15 years old. And like, I, like they see their responsibility more clearly when you give them a chance to connect with the people who there is their audience. And I'm not saying that they like turn into angels or anything, but I do think that like it, it's, it's a net good, like giving people the opportunity to connect with their audience face to face. And also connect with each other because again, I like, you know, a YouTuber has a fairly specific set of problems that, you know, you're not necessarily gonna find in your local community to help you deal with. If if I had one thing that I could do, it would be to make sure that building community was part of everybody's job description. I don't know if you've got a job description. Has somebody written one for you? Is building community in your I don't job have description? One. So I I have I had not thought until this moment that I I might I might should have one but I do not and I've never have never even never occurred to me. There you go. You've got <laughs> homework. Your homework is get somebody yeah. to write you a job description. Top of, top yeah. of the list. Building community. 
Screenshot, send it to me. (laughs) (laughs) I've loved hearing your perspective on community, which I think is really different. So thank you so much, Hank. Thank you very much. So much amazing and really quite surprising insights into how to create and sustain online communities in the conversation today. Um, So delving into all of that, I've come up with three practical takeaways. Number one, it's really important to make the time and to invest in relationships because it's the strength of the connection and not the means of the communication that's important. Number two, take one for the team because the total benefit of cooperation always outweighs any individual loss. Number three, create your spockish hand signs. It's really worth thinking about introducing a bit of ritual or symbolism or a company motto to bond under your shared values and create ongoing cohesiveness in your community. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you head over and follow me at Rachel Abel on Facebook or Rachel Abel underscore on Twitter. You can find snippets and additional content on the Missing Piece YouTube channel and all other kinds of posts on our Instagram at tmp.podcast.